0: Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing, and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. And as you can tell, I have a little bit of a different co host. Stevie's with me tonight. Jimmy's, it's springtime. She gets a little hormonal, and it's very embarrassing sometimes when she's around me. So, you know, hey, I am the alpha of the flock. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, spring, summer here finally. We both had, uh, Paulette and I had our first good long training, in quotation marks for me, weekends. Chili Dog and I got in about, what did we get, three and a half, eight, I like get 11 hours over the weekend, and two mountain lions we, we spied and got. Some good cool pictures of. It's uh, always a great thing when you get to see a lion, especially when they're not charging you. They don't anyway. Um, all that, it. Had like uh, sixty miles in over three days, hanging out down at our friends Chris and Sue's cabin. Get some good climbing down there in the Southern Hills. So it's nice to have some good weather finally. So. That's what's been going on here, and um, that's it. So go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Bye. Hello. Hey, Tim. Hey, Randy. Right. Okay, because i got to figure this out because I'm calling you and it's ringing. Oh, okay, well, we can hang it. No, no. There. We can hang No, no, no. <laughs> can have- nope, I got it. <laughs> that would have been very confusing to uh, have two uh, two conversations going a few seconds apart but it, I got it I figured it out technology yay, yay. <laughs> so uh it's friday
1: and and good morning on where I am
0: yeah it's uh it's ten here so I'm in South Dakota uh, okay so, yes, so you're... we're close um, so let's Go to the basics. Who are you? Uh, who am I? Uh, that, that's a good, good.
1: <laughs> there are so many different ways one can answer that question, especially being from California as I am.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I can certainly go the metaphysical route, um, or the uh, the yeah. scientific route, or whatever. No, I I, yeah. I I live in Northern California, as I mentioned. Uh, yeah. uh, just outside of San Francisco work in the tech business and uh, found Adventure Racing about 10 years ago and uh, just because I've done kayaking and biking and for pretty much all of my life and although I've tried to stay away from running until Adventure Racing came along uh, I don't know, that's a, that's a start about who I am. Where, where should we go with that? Yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so Your background, so a kayaking background, is that where you...
1: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things in in college you you take some courses, maybe you sign up for, I don't know, I went to UC Santa Cruz, so it's a little Mm -hmm. different probably than most colleges, big redwoods and lots of mushrooms growing and, and those kind of things, but so we had you would you would take classes, but then you would sign up for extracurricular activities like go down to Esalen to sit in the, the baths and get massages and, and have group massages and, and those kind of things. We also had kayaking, which was which was pretty cool for me. I, I loved the kayaking, getting out there, watching sea otters play. And uh, but it turned out that if you keep doing the kayaking thing, it, the the dollars start to add up. You're paying for mm-hmm. lessons and outings every day so I, I became an instructor and I was an instructor for I don't know probably eight to ten years and started guiding trips uh guiding trips in Baja California uh up and down the central coast well, in not central coast but the, the coast around Santa Cruz uh doing day outings overnight outings up on the uh, just north of Santa Cruz and, and those kind of things got into some big water and Anyway, that's where my kayaking background came from, and and then I've just yeah. have really loved kayaking and, and kayak touring, and uh, since then, it kind of dovetails yeah. pretty well with adventure racing.
0: Yeah, well, um, I have this I have this theory that that um, people with kayaking backgrounds make good adventure racers because you're making you have to make all these decisions when you're on the water, like like right now. <laughs> Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly right <laughs> now. I have two backgrounds that that play into that. The other background I have is I got into paragliding. And paragliding is a form of ultralights, like hang gliding, and you, it's foot launch. So you launch, your, launch yourself, and you're immediately in the air, and everything's very immediate, just like kayaking. And you have to read the weather. You have to pay attention to things in the ground, in the air, other things other pilots and, and these kind of things. So paragliding is even more immediate. And I think reading the weather is pretty critical, knowing what might be coming in, kind of understanding the effects of it's windy right now or those kind of things. But, yeah, I definitely have
0: yeah.
1: had some adventures on the water that reading reading weather and understanding what wave patterns are coming and what they mean is, is pretty important.
0: Yeah. And then you get into adventure racing where you get in a boat and paddle. <laughs> yeah. Heads
1: down. And you know what? It doesn't even matter what the weather is. The weather is going to be what it is, and you just got to yeah. go through it.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm going to guess you're one of the few adventure racers that actually paddles at times other than races.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> that is true.
0: Um. All right. Uh, okay. So both of these, both of those, kind of fascinate me. I mean, I think people know that I'm not a water person, but Paulette is. I think I've said before we have a storage shed. Okay, and we're in the middle of South Dakota. We do have a lake like two miles away, but um, I think there's eleven kayaks in there, and you know now we got two pack rafts. And but where where has been your favorite place to paddle? <clears throat> Oh gosh uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a few.
1: <laughs> I would definitely say Baja California has stolen my heart maybe it was because it was my romantic twenties that I spent so much time down there uh, uh, the heat, the desert, the clear water, the whales, the dolphins uh, the turtles the the the, um, the bird life that's down there I, I think those are fabulous. Um, other places, Alaska, Grizzlies, um, uh, are, are pretty cool, too, but just uh, kind of have a pretty healthy fear there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes it not yeah, just
0: a yeah.
1: <laughs> super exciting experience. But, yeah, definitely Mexico, is, yeah. Is, and especially Baja, um, being a lot more remote.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what was really funny is I can say my favorite place I ever kayaked is Baja too because you know I've kayaked in Baja for like a half hour in the lake around the house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we need to get you out a little more.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm getting better. It's the the water thing is kind of more now like it's become a stick a little bit. I'm still not real comfortable, but. But like I've said, if I'm if I'm filming something, um, well, Paulette and I were talking last night. I hate caving and I hate water, but you know, down in Belize inside the cave shooting was fine. So, I I I think eventually she'll we'll end up doing some sort of a trip and uh, kayaking just because she loves it so much and I'm learning to tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, I I tell you the. The long periods of sitting are definitely challenging as as we get older. Um, I could sit in that kayak for days um, in my younger days. Now it's more like, oh, boy, okay, how (laughs) do I change my seating (laughs) in this little cockpit (laughs) uh, to make it a little more comfortable?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, and my second part of that question is, like, where was your favorite place to fly then, Paraglide?
1: Oh, you know – Let's see, Chamonix in France Mm -hmm. uh, was really, really incredible. Um, I spent many years going to a place in uh, about a couple hour hours out of Toluca in Mexico, flying to Mexico City, about four hours, called Valle de Bravo, kind of an epic place. uh, Here in the States, point of the mountain has has always been pretty epic and cool, um, kind of urban-y. Uh, but I would say Chamonix stands out as one of my favorite places. I learned to fly in, oddly enough, part of the topic that we'll probably discuss today is God Zone, but uh, yeah. I went down to the North Island in my 20s, and and that's where I learned to fly was on the North Island. And where we learned was kind of in the middle in a, in a place called Rotorua. It's pretty popular for uh, hot springs. Uh, so we did a lot of flying there, and that was... It was a great start to my paragliding career.
0: And was it just something you saw and wanted to do, or how'd, <clears throat> how'd that happen?
1: Well, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> with me, hold on just a second. Yep. Uh, with me, you know, all these all these little changes in my life uh, usually come from. Um, uh, a catastrophic event in my life and for me catastrophic events are usually breakups with girlfriends so yeah so something like that happened and I was looking around for and and I probably can't say it on the air but it's usually you either go one way kind of the the gambling and drinking and womanizing kind of route or you go the other way which which I tended to do which was throw myself yeah. in some activity and so I went to a trade show in San Francisco and it was just meandering around. There's people in, with kayak pools and and uh, outdoor activities in Costa Rica or whatever. There's all this stuff, and then I came across the hang glide paraglide booth. And there's this beautiful woman, Norma Jean Marsh, and she had, was one, the first woman who soloed Mount McKinley when it was called Mount M- McKinley, now it's Denali. And she just seemed like just a, a great human being. And, and so that's where I started learning was just up, up north in Marin County of San Francisco and uh, learned with her and then went to, to Rotorua. So that, that's how I got into the, the paragliding thing. Yeah. Adventure racing is almost the same story.
0: <laughs> so, All right. Tell me that story.
1: So once again. Make it good. Once What's again, the- <laughs> you know, experienced the worst breakup of my life, the kind of breakup that songwriters write deep songs about and, and you think they, nobody understands you because you're the only one who goes through this kind of pain, kind of breakup. and uh, Started talking with a buddy of mine and about what he does, Hany Juhan, and uh, started getting into this adventure racing stuff. And and this was 10 years ago, so mm-hmm. I'd slightly missed the heyday of the yep. Ray Goulard, and if I'm saying that correctly, and And Eco Challenge and and all these big races. But so I was just coming on to the end of it. And I started, I watched a few of those videos and started getting into it. And I think what really got me into it was I did a race with a buddy of mine, the two of us. My first race, it was a sprint. And I think it was a three to four hour sprint. And there's a little paddle across the lake. And we were second off that paddle in these little rubber duckies that basically you paddle one way, the boat goes. Ninety degrees. You paddle on the other side, and it goes ninety degrees yeah. the other way. And so, going straight is kind of a challenge.
0: Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and so, with my kayaking background, we went straight. It was pretty awesome. Everyone else did circles, but we we're second, and we we're after this Euro couple, and they're in matching outfits, this and uh, like nearly body suits, and we're running after them, and it's a sprint. And the, so, the course is kind of semi marked, and we're running after them, and and basically, we just made navigation mistake after that. We followed them. And they kept going, and they got lost, and we got lost, and we're, we're no longer in science. And then we're running across fields, and it turns out my teammate, because we were r- rushing so hard, he didn't really put socks on, so he just had shoes, and so he gets get some little rocks. And so now he's got bleeding feet. Um, we didn't salt up, and then we made all these naps. So basically, through at least of the ten common errors that you make in adventure racing, you know, I made them in this first race. We came in last. Um, I think right after this guy and his twelve-year-old kid, where I think they probably just walked the course. You know, we we're running around with our heads cut off. Um, so that—that's what caught me. I, I was like, okay, I got to conquer this thing. I got to figure out what this navigation adventure race is.
0: Yeah. So uh, it was um, a point of pride that you beat it.
1: <laughs> well, ten years later, I'm still trying to, to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <He did>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but but what was it? I mean, most people would say that was the most miserable. Other than your breakups, that had to be the most miserable day of your life. Why did Why did you come back?
1: That is a seriously the age old question of what your family members, mm-hmm. your friends, your co everybody asks you that same question. Why do you do this thing? You come back. Yeah. You talk about this this immense suffering. Uh, 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 your body's wrecked. Uh, it takes you weeks to recover and all these things. So I don't know how to best answer that. I still can't answer yeah. that question. And it, and you talk to your teammates and other adventure racers, and I don't know if anyone really answers that very well. And I don't know if I can answer yeah. very well. There's There's something that catches my competitive spirit that makes me want to best it. There's something about... Mm-hmm understanding the limitations of your body and knowing that you can overcome them, as soon as you understand there's a huge mental game in adventure racing, that the mental part of controlling your body um, and working with teammates and and working with the tools that you have available to you, it's a very limited uh, set of of things that you can work with. Mm -hmm. kind of brings out a MacGyver maybe, where you just have to, to work with, it's very you know, and I, I use this word "primal," and, and um, a lot of times it gets that way. There's nothing else to think about. You're just thinking about what is this task at hand, and I, th- I find that a pretty useful tool set Also, when I when I bring it into my regular life, yeah. So I get to kind of leverage that. But why do I like adventure racing? I don't know yeah. for all those reasons. Because it's
0: it's not real. It's not real life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Often, micro in these long races, though. Your real life plays out in these little microcosms, though. So I always find any little any problem that I'm having in real life, whether it's relationship or work related or something, always comes out in adventure racing in some way. And after, like a few minutes later in the adventure race, I realize, oh, I just played out some bigger picture thing. What, what yeah. can I learn from that?
0: Well, it's a it's such a compressed um existence while you're in the middle of the race. I mean my joke is, you know, one day one day with your teammates in adventure races is like a year with a normal person.
1: Yes. Uh, the, so. Yes, I, I told the husband of one of my teammates once, I know your wife better than you.
0: Well, my favorite <laughs> question is do, do your teammates know something about you your husband or wife doesn't know? And and very often it yes. Yeah, and usually I don't want to know what it is.
1: No, no. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, you know, the the what happens in Vegas kind of thing. What happens in the adventure yeah. race stays in the adventure race. That's definitely a credo that uh, all of my teammates we, we play on. We we definitely talk about things that are a little bit deeper, darker than yeah, uh, than you would share in real life.
0: Yeah, it's just. Um... At 3 a.m. in the middle of a forest where you're not real sure where you are, um, that thing you did in college just doesn't seem that important. No. <laughs> so, um, so after your first race, how long, how long did you have to race before you felt um, confident, like that you might sort of know what you're doing?
1: Well, a- after that, I got into the whirlwind. I so I went back to Hanny, um, kind of my mentor at the time of, of this kind of stuff, and I said, "Look, I want to do a little bit bigger race, but I need. Do you know a navigator? Because I don't know how to navigate yet." So he hooked me up with a guy, Bill Schwab, who's been my teammate now for ten years, and we created a little team, and and we we it was an eight-hour race, and we had a hell of a lot of fun. And he's like well, you know, we, we have another race coming up, this 24-hour race. We have three already. We need a four-teammate. You want to join us? So I jumped from this three to an eight to a 24 in a pretty quick mm-hmm. succession. It turned out that he was... that Those three were just coming together for the first time to see if they could race uh, Primal Quest together. So Primal mm-hmm. Quest Montana in 2008. And... So I was joining them on this 24-hour race in T- Lake Tahoe, uh, California, uh, Sierras. And that's what they were doing, and I was just kind of tagging along. So it ended up I was just sort of tagging along for those three races. In the end, they they asked me, hey, you were, you were a great teammate. You want to join us for uh, – this 10-day race in Montana. (laughs) So within a span of, I think it was six to eight months, I was jumping all the way to a 10-day race. Um, Along the way, I started doing orienteering and really kind of tuning some of my own navigation skills. And I think after 2008, after that Primal Quest, I definitely started beating some races in in, in terms of getting good at navigation, um, learning how to be a, a good teammate, Put together a, a pretty good team and set of teammates to, to kind of draw from. Um, and we had a great time for many
0: years there. Yeah. So, did you race um, Prime Quest Badlands? I missed that year. Okay. I didn't go. I was trying to remember. I, I can sometimes I can, you know, I'm like, I could almost name everybody that was in the race. I mean, that's kind of what's my first media doohickey with adventure racing, so um, that's my my home race, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> and, definitely uh, I've heard
1: some stories out of the Badlands. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, in, um, well, I talked I talked to your teammate Stephanie a few days ago, but Canis was probably the first person I ever interviewed in an adventure race. Uh-huh. So,
1: so you're referring so. to two of my teammates where I just uh, yep. completed Godzone, Own, um, Candice yeah. Hart, who's out of Park City, and Stephanie yeah. Green, who lives on a tiny island outside I, of Vancouver.
0: Yeah, who my wife wants to go live in her guest house so she can kayak to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: We'll, I'm sure we'll hear more about that when, when yeah. her podcast yeah. airs.
0: Yeah. Um, who's your fourth?
1: Uh, the fourth is Andrew Peterson, and Andrew is uh, a Canadian transplant here in San Francisco. He and I have been racing against each other for probably six or seven years, and it's one of those kind of things where until he joined Team TechNum, so he was on TechNum for a, a year with Kyle Peters and Peter and, and, and all those guys, but uh, or maybe a couple of years. But before that, um, the team, the teams I put together, generally beat his teams, and that was always kind of like you know I have a little pride there. Um, but but also <clears throat> it's kind of like the the recent podcast you aired with Chris Forn, and he mentioned something like uh, when you're on course, you're competitors, and you have this competitive spirit. And when you're off course, you're you're good friends. And that's mm-hmm. what Andrew and I have is is a good friendship off the course, and then when we raced against each other, there's I think, at least for my part, I don't know for him, but I always had this competitive thing against uh, his navigation, my navigation versus his. Um, but we joined forces a few years back and have, have been racing together since. Um, so he was our main navigator, and and actually he took on the captaining duties in, in Godzone,
0: but he was our fourth. Yeah. yeah. So well, let's uh, tell me about Godzone. Well, <laughs> so this is this is the part people hear me say that I like because I don't have to talk and they don't have to listen. <laughs> they,
1: they, they, they just keep on going. Uh, God's yeah. good gracious. So I went to God's own last year uh, on an invitation from JD, JD hot pants mm-hmm. um, nickname. I think he was, he earned in Alaska or who knows yeah. as, as soon as you say JD, everyone knows who I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, so I joined his team and his team was, uh, uh, Tosh, um, Ryan Shantosh, and uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think was her last name. She's an Australian, and she was in this year's race, too. She's pretty um, amazing lady. So the four of us, we finished the full course last year and had a great time of it. So I went into this year's race. Uh, so I have a reason for telling that brief story of last year.
0: That's right. Went into this yep. race
1: with the same mindset of, oh, it's big mountains. It's uh, it's easy going for the most part. Uh, the the biking's pretty straightforward. The paddling's pretty straightforward. So I I went into the race thinking that that's what it was, and I didn't really have the frame of mind that oh, we're going into a rainforest jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what God's own this year was on the south coast. It's yeah. a lot of rainforest, um, jungly stuff. Totally different mindset than climbing up steep mountains and grasslands and, and flat stuff. So that I missed that, and and I think I missed really working with the team to think. So I've been to Patagonia four times, and even considering going again this year. But Patagonia. Um, the Patagonia exp- expedition race is kind of like there's. I found some similarities between the two. There were. It's super lush. Um, making your way through the like day three and four in, in the South Coast treks uh, trek was uh, was super super slow. You're making half a kilometer an hour. If that sometimes, yeah, and when you look at the map and you're like, we have 20 kilometers to go, or 50 kilometers to go, you're thinking that's that's four more days if we're going at this rate, we'll never make it. (laughs) And that that was the in Patagonia, we always had a mindset: this you're going to make, you're going to go a quarter of a kilometer an hour at the most, and that's just what it is. You just have to slog it out. You have to keep pushing through. And we didn't do that, so so that was kind of my only. kind of my regret um, is not catching it I don't know if regret's the right word but I missed that and and so we yeah. weren't mentally prepared for uh, day three on the south coast track um, yeah. but other than that uh, you know Godzilla was a pretty pretty fabulous race um, super enjoyed the last few days even though we went on the short course
0: yeah they definitely know how to put on a race um in New Zealand, that's for certain.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would say organizationally, uh, I have no arguments and only praise for that organization for the last two years. Um, truly amazing how yeah. they pulled that off.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like these two islands, and every year is different and, and hugely different.
1: And that's the thing. Looking at the map, I don't think we were much more than – 25, 50 kilometers from last year's race, uh, yeah. you know, at the, at the nearest distance.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: yes, you're right, just totally different terrain.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm guessing you will – so I guess what you're saying is you sort of like underestimated the race.
1: <clears throat> underestimated, yeah.
0: That's yeah, sad. and you're not going to make Tam a sticky kid will you?
1: Try not to, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's hard too. This was a new team for for us. So I had raced yeah. with Canis and Stephanie in 2015 in the um, in the Cowboy yeah. Tough race, and I think it was the year just yeah. before they did the Worlds. So uh, yeah. it was when they first did the.
0: So 16, yeah.
1: Okay, it's 2000. So that was yeah. the year that they first tried the. Um, the full adventure race format, rather than the stage yeah. race format, and yeah. so I raced with those two. Then, so it's been a couple of years since racing with them, and then Andrew hasn't raced with them. So it was it was a new team, and so yeah, missing stuff like that is kind of a it's kind of a rookie mistake. So I feel a, like a little bit of yeah. a,
0: a ro- was it? Um, I, so you so you were kind of the common thread because you've raced with Canis, with Stephanie, and with Andrew. They hadn't raced together. Did did the team come together well?
1: The team did, yeah, yeah. Actually, very good mesh of, of personalities and working together. Yeah. So, so
0: um, all right, I want to talk about Patagonia because that, that that race fascinates me because how it fascinates everybody else. So you've gone four times, in a, in thinking about a fifth. Um, you know, Paul, that's gone twice had crappy races both times it would go in a second so what is it
1: (laughs) yes as i recall (laughs) i think she might have had like it was the year where we had something like 50 mile an hour winds or 70 mile an hour winds and she got blown off her bike and bruised up her her leg pretty badly and i think that was well actually day one or two
0: yep what we've discovered after she got hurt in idaho and they're X-raying her broken back and neck, and they find found a old fracture of her back, and we think oh. that she probably broke her back when she got blown off that time.
1: Could be she was in a tremendous amount of pain, um, yeah. and I and I think I recall that she probably wanted to continue even in all that pain, but I could remember yeah. that wrong.
0: Well, they kept they kept going for another day or so, and then you know they got kicked off because they were too slow, but. And, and as you know, in Patagonia, when you get kicked out of the race, you still got to get to the next wherever. And they were starting to move. They were actually starting to work as a team. Um, you know, things were just moving better and, you know, but but still, she would go back in a second. <laughs> so, so Why? <laughs> so,
1: so I remember, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years. When I first started getting into paragliding, I started reading, like everybody does, all the uh, race stories and reports that people write up, and I started reading these reports out of Patagonia, and six teams went and two finished. Uh, ten teams went and four finished. Uh, and that, so we, t- we talked about my competitive spirit in the beginning, and, and I want to beat this thing. And, and so I started reading that, and I'm like, oh. And, the, and you see these pictures of people up to their chest wading through water, pulling kayaks and gear, and, and it looks insanely hard, and uh, you hear about the train, and, and, and I think it just piqued my interest. I got to go do this thing. I got to go beat this thing. So, uh, so that's kind of why four years didn't beat it the yeah. first year, beat it the second year, wanted to go back and repeat it, didn't beat it the third, <laughs> nearly beat it the fourth, um, and so yeah, I've got to go back again and and finish yeah. this race full course style and. I know what it is, just got kind of to put together the right team with the right mindset, and everybody's ready to go. What is it yeah. about Patagonia? Patagonia, when you go there, you truly feel like no other human being has set foot in the valley that you're going through, the mountain pass that you're going over. It's remote, there are no roads. Uh, there's just, I mean, there are roads, but they're, where the race yeah. tends to be, it's just desolate. And so that, I think, really draws the adventurous spirit out of people. If you have, if you wanted to be a Lewis and Clark and you were exploring stuff that you, you just never seen before and you barely have heard any stories about, Patagonia is kind of the last place on the planet um,
0: yeah. to really do that kind last, of thing. Yeah, the last wild frontier. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you could just go do that. <laughs> Did do you, do you like – does the competition make that – give you that little extra reasoning for doing it?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I do have a couch potato at my heart, and I would prefer just to sit on the couch and be mm-hmm. in my warm house and yeah. and not go tear through uh, the backcountry when it's raining and, and and nearly freezing temperatures. I just wouldn't normally – Push myself that yeah. way. I know a lot of people do push themselves that way, and I, I don't. But the adventure race kind of helps me get out of my comfort zone, and so yeah. that format draws me in. And so, if I were to go to Patagonia, I'd probably climb the mountains and toward toward de, tour de Pignes, if I pronounce that correctly. You know, maybe yeah. climb those mountains, camp out, drive a camper around, maybe do some day hikes, yeah. maybe an overnight. But I wouldn't do what adventure racing. Uh, kind of pushes you to do and and go
0: yeah it gets you in those places that you don't know yeah i think yeah i mean without a without a a lot of work i mean you could probably go northern california and find those places where the rest of us would be blown away but you know them but yeah you can't go to patagonia or baja really and find those on your own without a lot of time
1: Yeah, time, logistics, yeah, that whole planning thing. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Do you sort of get that same feeling down in Baja? Um, And I ask because when I was down there for the 1000 last fall, all the racers just love Baja. And and they almost talked about it the same way that all you nutcases talk about (laughs) Patagonia. (laughs) The remoteness and, and the wonderfulness and how nice the people are and how you're away from everything, so... Do you see that? Because you've been to both places. Do you kind of see what I'm, I,
1: I'm talking I definitely about? see the parallel in, in Baja. Uh, Baja is going to be a little more unforgiving with uh, – deserts don't want people in them. They, everything about a desert yep. is designed to keep you out um, from the rocks, the plants, and mm. the animals. So, so going down to Baja, probably – is kind of the same idea. You're going into some place that doesn't want you. You have to um, flourish. You have to get through this thing. Work. You, you can't work against it either. You have to work with the surroundings. Otherwise, you won't make it. So you kind of have to work with the desert, get through it. You know, give it a big hug when you're done, and um, say thank you for letting me live.
0: <laughs> I like that. Thank you. So, um, this this is might be a hard question because um, you've done everybody's bucket races what's what's on your race bucket list
1: right yeah and
0: everybody else it's yeah it's Patagonian Godzilla
1: <clears throat> and I, I lament that uh, a race like this Swedish monster isn't around or some of the the big raids aren't around um, mm-hmm. Swedish monster was another one that was super fun going from Norway up and over the Arctic Circle back down to Sweden and Mm-hmm. Dry suits and North Sea and all that kind of it was yeah. it was pretty in, intense uh what is the next race? Alaska would have drawn me some some races in Alaska, but I think maybe some travel races would be up next it's It's hard to say I don't really know too much about the European races, and I know I've been pinged yeah. a couple of times, and maybe there's something there. It would just be something totally different,
0: yeah. Well, i I would think um, the uh, Nordic Nordic Island AR with lots of you know it's going to have lots and lots of paddling would be up your up your uh, river, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's that's, that's definitely one to put on the list. Yeah. So,
0: well, what is on your on your list for this year?
1: Well, this year is kind of big, and and it's probably too big right now. Basically, it's mostly – well, I shouldn't say mostly. So we have the Bend uh, Expedition Race. That's in Oregon. Uh, That's a four-day – what is it, the ARWS?
0: Uh, Exhibition Race.
1: Exhibition Race, (laughs) right. (laughs) I'm not sure what that means, but –
0: Actually, test race, I think, is a better word.
1: Right. For some reason, we've had local races here that have always overlapped with the Bend Race. And so I have not been to their race, and they, held, they hold a 36-hour hour race, a 30-hour race every year, and it's been going for, I don't know, four, five years, six years. Yeah. So I'm finally going to make it, I'm super happy about that. Uh, Dawn to Dusk is one down in San Luis Obispo. It's mm-hmm. kind of on the central coast here of California. It's been going for a long time, and uh, Yishai, the race director there, always puts in kind of some ropes course because he's got a ropes background, and, yeah. and uh He's a super cool guy. i uh, love to support him as the race director. The Teton Ogre, um, Jason and Abby's race up in Idaho, I've been finding their race just to be a tremendous amount of fun and an unbelievable terrain. The Tetons are always in view of, <laughs> of wherever you are in the, in the last two years yeah. of that race. Uh, and then it's uh, so here in the Sierras, we've got the Gold Rush. That's also a perennial race that. I've been racing pretty much my whole ten years. Uh, that's uh, I think a thirty or thirty-six hour race, and then off to Primal Quest. Primal Quest in British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe Patagonia if that kind of works out. They're they're pretty close together those two races. So would have to.
0: Yeah. What September and in November? Yeah. It's yeah. get. Yeah, you know you're an adventure racer you don't need any rest <laughs> right
1: <laughs> four weeks is all you need
0: yeah, yeah. between races that's, you know get your gear washed and loaded up again and you're you're fine yeah
1: that's the same gear so off we go
0: yeah um sometimes you wish you paraglided more so you didn't have to take so much crap with you all the time?
1: <laughs> paragliding was easy, yeah. just you, get, you take one bag with you instead of three <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> and, yeah, if, if people don't know about it, there's this race in, uh, in Switzerland, Austria, called the X-Alps, and it's a paragliding, bivy, bivouac, um, hiking and trekking. It's an adventure race. Yeah. It's an adventure yeah. race with paragliding. I, I, early on, you know, in my younger days, I wanted to race that race. I think I'm not, I wouldn't race it now, but um, certainly wish that I was younger because I would do that race. I definitely would
0: Why not now? You're smarter. You know,
1: the guys that do that, they're young. um, They run. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if if my smarts make up for the youngness anymore. (laughs) That's, uh, that's the challenge for me.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen that, and you look at it and, and think. So I look at things like that and think, "Wow, that'd be a cool race to go take pictures at." So, see, I'm smarter than you. At least I know I don't want to race. The pictures would be
1: epic, no doubt, yeah. in that race. But figuring so, out where to be is kind of the that would be the trick. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm, I want to talk paragliding a little more because it's. I will say back in <clears throat> years ago, I almost. Like 40 years ago, almost bought a hang glider uh, from a one ad in the paper here, and for some reason realized that probably wasn't a good idea, even though it fascinated me. But, um, the worst is decision in your life, sp- it might have been. But is, but is, so is paragliding a safe sport compared to some of the other flying activities? Um,
1: uh, what are the other flying activities? Well, like.
0: Well, we know base jumping is not safe, but wingsuiting and, and, I don't know, maybe like motor paragliding, whatever you call that. I mean, you do have a parachute. So it seems to me like it's got to be a pretty safe sport.
1: I think it's pretty safe. Hang gliding, paragliding are probably about the same. When people get injuries, they they tend to be like paragliding tends to be more like um, back and maybe some legs and – um, hand gliding is more like arms and your back, so <laughs> they're kind of the same. Yeah. Um, motorized paragliding, I think the guys that do that they tend to go at times of the day where the atmosphere is not as active, and you can mm. kind of and, and you can go different. You, and when you're under power, you can kind of push through some things that when you're not under power, you would yeah. probably have a little more problem with. So I almost think that that's a little safer but okay. then again you got this big motor and all that stuff too, you got to yeah. deal with and gasoline and oil and yeah. i don't know that stuff stains things
0: <laughs> do you kind of look down on those guys with their stinky motors uh, <laughs> uh, you know uh,
1: it's kind of like yeah. um, uh jet skis you used to call those water yeah. mosquitoes You're like, oh, God, how annoying <laughs> so loud <laughs> Yeah. So unpristine. I, I just like the silentness of, of yeah. paragliding and hang gliding. It's just quiet, I and mean, when you're yeah. up there, you're just alone, and you don't have a big fan behind you that you can't hear yeah. anything.
0: All right. So this is a question that is apropos of nothing. But since you're a kayaker and on the ocean, what do you think of surfers that use jet skis for tow in? Is that cheating?
1: You're talking about something like
0: uh, um, big waves, marsh-
1: kind of marshals stuff. Marshals and they're using jet skis. That's uh, surfing. So when I was when I was in Santa Cruz, I, I got into kayak surfing a lot. So I would go out to Lighthouse Point and get rocks thrown at me because the surfers they just they didn't like kayakers taking their waves. I don't like anybody. They don't like anybody taking yeah. their waves. They're like yeah. total locals only. But I. Kayak surfed all up and down the the coast, Pacifica, and all sorts of places, and it's a lot of fun. And so I could see the draw of yeah. trying to get yourself onto bigger and bigger waves. There's there's a def- different mindset for surfing. There's this kind of it's like climbers. There's sort of a Zenness about people that surf and people that climb. They're they're suddenly at one with either the water or the rock and and so I could see wanting to be on this big wave where you, you're getting massive adrenaline and so using the jet skis to get in. I don't know. I, I think it's pretty yeah. cool that that kind of yeah. opens that up for them. The only thing I don't like, and it's just me personally, is I, I I worry about what we do to sea life when we're doing a lot of these activities or what we're right. doing to the ecology and environment around us that is natural. and we're kind of coming through with our big noises and our big disruptions and, and doing stuff. And so sometimes that bugs me and that's the only thing that would bug me about that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I can see, yeah, cause I'm sure the popular place that goes on all day would be very annoying. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I mean really like one off of anything anywhere is not usually that bad, but all day long could suck. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So. See, I bet you didn't think we'd talk about um, tow in surfing.
1: Had no idea we'd go there. <laughs> See,
0: my these are these are my favorite. Where we just go to different places. So, um, okay, but here's an adventure race question: What, um, what's your training like?
1: Yeah, these days uh, I, I can't recover anymore. Uh-huh. Well, as, as well as I used to. So, it's more like five days a week. Uh, I take two rest days. Uh, I tend to do longer days on the weekends and shorter, higher intensity during the week. So I take Monday and Friday off and uh, yeah. generally go the, the middle three days of the week. And, and I try to mix it up. If I'm training for a race like uh, Godzone Zone or Patagonia or whatever it is, I generally, uh, for the longer races, I will generally try to train – is similar to the race conditions. So if it's going to be a God mm-hmm. Zone where you have these super tall mountains and lots of paddling or something, then I'll, I'll switch up my training to be much more paddling, and I'll go out here to map Tam, which is a 1,000-meter, 3,000-foot mountain in my, my backyard, and I'll use the steep uh, trails to go straight up, and that'll be my training. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll mix it up. So whatever the race is, when I we went to the Worlds in Australia, my training was much more... Uh, about the flats, and I did a lot more running training. Uh, the team that I went there with was Team Dart, so I knew in advance that these guys would be runners. So I I trained almost yeah. exclusively running rather than um, like paddling and trying to climb mountains with a big pack.
0: Yeah. So, yeah a- did you train? Did you do much training for crossing tidal pools? <laughs> <laughs> Even now. <Yeah>. At night. <laughs> right.
1: That's one of those skills you pick up on the fly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, for me, I think uh, that's my favorite place I've ever shot a race is that uh, last title crossing before the finish. No, the second to the last. Because <clears throat> I could be at the finish line, see a team coming, drive there in 20 minutes. And I probably went there six or eight times and it was different every time. I mean, it was night. Tide's coming in. Tide's going out. So it was a really pretty cool area for me.
1: Well, I, t- I tell you, it was pretty fun for us to come across you. I think you had waited out. Were you up to your waist, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. You would. So, you would waited out, and you kind of joined us and. It's like what other people have said it's around day one, day two, day three, you're pretty competitive, and you're like kind of in your own team zone, and you guys are chatting, and then somewhere around day three that switches to, gosh, another team just came by. We need to uh, kind of spend some time with them and hang out. and you know it's when you showed up near the finish <laughs> line, it's kind of the same idea, of, hey, there's Randy, he's our buddy. We know him, we want to hang
0: out, but we have to we're not lost. But we have to keep <laughs> racing. <laughs> this sucks, but bye, yeah. <laughs> but I will tell you that um so, as we have established, I'm landlocked. You don't know how many times I've been on the ocean like there waiting, and you know, I'll be sitting and waiting, and all of a sudden I'll realize like I'm completely submerged in the water because I don't understand tides <laughs> so so it's like it was dry here a little bit ago. how come I'm surrounded by water? <laughs>
1: I think we locked out in this last Godzone race. The tide was out the one time we had a, a significant beach to walk on. But I, I totally get you. When there's the high tide, you're like, oh, ah, yeah. now what? You could do some yeah. coast craziness.
0: Yeah. So, um, or as um, I told your teammate Stephanie when I talked to her, it's it's just every time I get in the ocean, I come out and I'll like lick my lips, and I'm like, it's salty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, and I don't have the keen senses, but so many of my friends, teammates, they're like, I can smell the air if we're getting close to the ocean. i like, I can't smell no. it. I don't know what you're smelling. Oh. I can smell the salt.
0: Like, how do you smell salt? What is
1: that? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Paulette's like that. She'll be like, oh, there's a lion around here someplace. She literally can smell them. Mm. So, yeah, I, I... Have no uh, well. I have no sense. of sense.
1: She has a she has a future job waiting for her in uh, either fragrance or winemaking or chocolate making. So.
0: I think she'd she'd uh, go for the winemaking. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, cool. Um. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Are you kind of making a big push? I know I've seen some stuff. You know, you're looking for more teammates, and and NorCal is kind of. I mean, is that just because you're making this kind of a bigger push this year for a lot of races? <clears throat>
1: yeah, and that's that's right. Uh, it's hard when you start doing traveling; it's harder to keep uh, your same hometown team together, Yeah, uh, and, and you have to draw upon other people and, and figure out what uh, a, a team that has a good connection uh, and is willing to kind of have the same goals and, and those kind of things for. Going in races, so yeah, that's where we're at right now. There's there's a couple of big things: uh, Primal Quest, obviously, maybe Patagonia, and a couple of these traveling races that uh, just want to settle a team sooner than later.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, you want to go have a good time? Now you know where.
1: Yes, Team NorCal. You know, it's funny, Randy. For a long time, I I changed the name of my team every race. So mm-hmm. wherever we were, we would have a new name, and so we we never had name recognition as a team. We were just those guys, yeah. and it wasn't until I don't know, 2014. Well, one, one of the first years we went to Patagonia, where Thomas Bass is like, we're Team NorCal, and that kind of stuck as our team mm-hmm. since then. And since then, I've sort of I've realized the the benefit of having a name and kind of being recognized to a name, even though. Kind of goes against my My thought about adventure racing Adventure racing is supposed to be fun And and Not We're not doing it because we want to get known Or yeah. uh, Get the prize money We're doing it because of what's inside of us And how we want to interact with These other individuals that we're Working with to For for a common goal um, yeah. So a name is meaningless yeah. To name that but, Anyway, NorCal, uh, yes, come join us.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is, except now people will say, hey, that Team NorCal sounds like fun. Yeah. And I'll, I'll find them, and they can find you. So. They can find us. Yeah. So. Cool. I think that's a great place. Um, being all warm and fuzzy, that's a great place to stop.
1: Thanks, Randy. I appreciate talking with you and, and our time That together. was fun.
0: I like it. Either, I must be getting better at this because, man, I get a lot of really interesting people. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you.
1: Well, thank you. All right. So, um, let's be out there in the trails.
0: So, when the people listen to this, it won't be, but this will probably be a few weeks out because, man, it's been great. I've been talking to all the God's own people and Belize people, so I have this huge backlog. But I like to talk to you guys like when it's all fresh in your mind. So. Yeah. so cool
1: so thanks this is perfect timing because enough time went by where all the suffering that I probably happening in the God zone is now in the past and only the good feelings remain so
0: there you go the sweet spot yes alright bye Rennie. thanks bye
2: bye I wrote this song in 1973 there's about several versions of it I want to start off with the Johnny Paycheck version of this song Like this here. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I want me done, damn it, took all the reasons that I was working for. You better not try and stand in my way when I'm walking out the door. So take this job and shove it. Fact. Pretty close to 15 years I've seen some of my best friends When well, i in poor tears I've seen a lot of kid folk now Had a lot of bills to pay I'd give you shirt right off my back If I had the guts to say Say what? Before. then i did time I'm standing my way but I'm walking out the door So take this down and shut I ain't working here no more The foreman is a regular SOB and the night boss well he's a fool you guys have a brand new flat top haircut Really thinks that's cool. And one of these days I'm gonna blow my top That sucker, he's gonna pay I can't wait to see their faces When I get the nerve to say Say what? That's the Johnny Paycheck version of this song. I'd like to do you the Dead Kennedys version of this song. It's a little different. See, when I wrote this song, it was four minutes and 23 seconds long. Dead Kennedy sang this song in a minute and twenty four seconds. Take a job and the i the Take a the Take the Take a i in the Take the Take